We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Welcome to Sideline Sanity. I'm Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There's never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Go to LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Coming up, Jen Say. She is our first repeat guest on Sideline Sanity, and it is because she has a lot to say and a new book and a new column. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. Welcome to Sideline Sanity, everyone. I am really happy to have Jennifer Say back on the show. She is our first repeat guest, and there's a good reason for that. She is smart. She is doing some really interesting things, and I, I just I just feel like I want to amplify her voice again and again. Hi, Jen. How are you? Hi, I'm good, Michelle. Thanks for having me again. The first repeat guest How about that? Honest. How about that? Well, you know what? I'm so excited about the things that you're doing. And let's start with the Substack column, which I just think if people aren't on Substack yet, just get on there because there are so many interesting writers. And I'm so glad you've been added to that to that roster of really sound voices, sane voices, interesting voices with something really important to say. Your life experience has been remarkable. Now, was the, the Levi's Wokes... Was that the first post? That was the first post that was like, not, here's what my Substack is going to be about. <clears throat> you know, I did one that was just like, hey, I'm doing a Substack, come read it. But that was the first real content. And it is an excerpt or a modified excerpt from my book, which will come out in the next couple of months. Which is super, super exciting. I can't, I just, I can't wait to read it. Again, this story to me encapsulates so many of the issues that we're trying to overcome in this country right now, because it's, it's, it started with you and your husband. And we'll get into that in a second, posting things about the COVID mandates, the mask mandates and kids in school. And let's just remind people that you were the chief marketing officer at Levi's and you saw some stuff going on. And do you kind of remember your first posts that you felt you had to be brave to hit send? You know, it's interesting you asked that because I didn't, it seemed so obvious to me. I, I, you know, I was opposed to the school closures. It took me a while to get into some of the other issues, but I was most concerned about kids. And I was posting about this first on Facebook with just family and friends, which was a mistake. Um, Why was that a mistake? Was too. 
Well, because you just end up, you know, Facebook is just family and friends. And I learned very quickly that no one agreed with me and that everybody supported these mandates. And everyone, like it was getting, like you against the world, I, really? There was not was, one dissenter? It was me and my husband and that, and against everyone. And, you know, we were getting into pretty heated debates, arguments back and forth on Facebook with friends and family. And that just seemed really unproductive. I don't want to not get along with my family. I don't want to not get along with my friends, although that has very much um, happened because of this. And we can talk about that later. But yeah, yeah I mean, my husband and I, from the very beginning, were opposed to the the school closures. And also, please remember, in San Francisco, playgrounds were closed for nine months. So, you know, we lived in an apartment with no yard. It was a very nice apartment. I'm not complaining. I'm not bemoaning my fate. But, you know, the way that kids play outside in cities is at playgrounds, whether you have a nice apartment like mine or, you know, one that is, you know, two two rooms down the down the block from mine and subsidized housing. All kids play at playgrounds together and they were closed for nine months. So that's what we were most vocal about at, at first. Um, I switched to Twitter in about April because which was, you know, Twitter is not the home of nuanced takes and, <laughs> and, and, um, and respectful debate. But, I, you know, what I do love about Twitter, despite all the criticism, is you can access experts, regular everyday people. And, you know, at the time, while I was the chief marketing officer of Levi's, I wasn't an active Twitter user. I didn't have a lot of followers. I was just some gal in San Francisco. And I was able to ask questions of doctors who had views that went against the mainstream and they would answer me. So, you know, I learned a lot. You're able to engage with the experts. Um, and very quickly on Twitter, because it wasn't just friends and family, I found a community of people that were questioning and challenging um, and, and grew a following, you know, fairly quickly because we all sort of found each other. Um, but yeah, I was very early in questioning any of the restrictions that impacted children in particular. One of your columns here on Substack, and it's called Say Everything, S-E-Y, which I love, um, is called I, Am I My Husband's Keeper? And I read this with interest. You know, I often, my husband and I discuss how some of my views could impact his practice. And he is, um, he plans people's financial futures. And, you know, it's, I'm sure some of his clients disagree with me how could they? I don't know, but maybe some of them do. Um, but, but I, so I, I was reading this with interest because again, your husband started to post and I'd love for you to tell the audience what happened, what the reaction was to your husband, not an employee of Levi's, but for you as the CMO of Levi's, how that all panned out. Yeah. Um, you know, from the very beginning, he, in life and on Twitter, although he's been banned, so he's not on Twitter anymore. <laughs> oh um, but in, in life and, and, you know, on social media, he is very much himself and he is a little more, I guess, forceful in his mode of communication than I am. I, I tend to be diplomatic, although that hasn't sort of saved me in this age of, of COVID. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I think it's not unusual. It's well practiced and learned for a woman in corporate America. You don't get very far if you're too too aggressive. You need to sort of find that right balance of 
um, asserting yourself, but doing it gently enough that, that people don't, you know, dismiss you as an angry woman. So I've been very diplomatic, I feel, <laughs> the whole time. Daniel, my husband, less so. Um, but as you say, he didn't work there. We did have, um, I guess I'll call them arguments from time to time where I asked him to tone it down, not because I did not think he had the right to do it, not because I thought he shouldn't be able to, but I knew in my heart of hearts, even before I heard from anyone at Levi's, that it was going to reflect on me and it was going to get me in trouble. Now, you could argue I shouldn't have done that. And eventually I stopped and I told him, you know, let it rip, say what you will. Um, but eventually it took several months, you know, for any of my peers and, and other executives to um, to address the issues with me, both in terms of what I was saying as well as what he was saying. Um, but I did have to answer questions about my husband and did I agree with him and how do you respond to the fact that he is this, you know, racist anti-vaxxer is basically what he was, um, what he was deemed. Um, and he was much more aggressive about vaccine mandates. I actually didn't speak about them for a very long time. I do think they're wrong, especially as we've seen, um, the vaccine to be relatively ineffective, um, but we had a vaccine mandate at Levi's and, and they still do for both on-site and remote employees. And so I was cognizant of the fact that in my role, it was not appropriate to, to challenge publicly company policy. I could do it internally, uh, but I didn't do it publicly. Right. Um, but he didn't work there, you know, and that's what he kept saying to me. He kept saying, I don't understand why this is bothering you. I don't work there. What's the difference? And I said, it just matters. You don't understand. I'm going to take heat for this. And, and ultimately, I, I really did. And in the summer of 21, I was asked asked <laughs> to do an apology <laughs> tour um, and sort of apologize for my stances on schools and child masking. I was also fairly cautious about adult mask mandates. But for children, very young children in particular, and at the time I had a four-year-old daughter, she's five now, it just seemed patently absurd to me. Yeah. Even if it did work, they can't do it right. They they yeah. don't put their shoes on the right feet. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, half of them are in diapers, you know, two yeah. and three years old. So um, anyway, I did end up, I, I did not apologize in the apology tour. I explained myself. I, I had confidence, although clearly misplaced, in my ability to kind of explain my perspective and perhaps build bridges. And in the moment, that did seem to work. But we took questions in real time. There were only two. And one, of course, was about my husband. What do you have to say about the racist things your husband says? Um, and, you know, he was he was criticized for he had made some analogies <laughs> to the Holocaust, not in in severity. Right. In terms of the restrictions, but in the willingness of people to just go along. Right. Um, with sort of nonsensical rules and, and harms being done. And, you know, I see his point. I also see the point of those who say don't invoke the Holocaust. So I, I see, you know, I see both sides. Right. We are Jewish. Um, he has family that died in the Holocaust. Not that that should matter. Um, but, you know, and I know it does. You know, you don't yeah. get to say a thing if you're not of the group. But right. You know, he, he was comparing the mandates and those going along with them to those who went along and yeah. um, not not comparing the severity of the impact. He absolutely was not doing that. But this was, you know, and, and he was comparing to other you know, when you other a group, when you set them apart, when you restrict them from participating in the world, that's bigotry. 
It just is. And that's what he was saying. The feedback um, from within Levi's was you're minimizing real racism when you say that that is bigotry because you can't choose to be black, but you can choose whether or not to be vaccinated. Um, That was the sort of line of reasoning. Anyway, I was challenged on his views. And my response was basically, I defend his right to say a thing, just like I would defend yours and anyone here. He doesn't work here. Um, He's not violating any sort of code or mandate or rule that we have. Um, Not all married couples agree on everything. And in fact, I, you know, I do agree with him largely. I I don't agree with how he says it, or I wouldn't say it that way, as I said earlier, but that's not the same as disagreeing with the content. But even if I, if I disagree, I don't agree. It doesn't, or I do agree. It doesn't matter. He didn't work there. And yet I was forced to sort of be implicated and, and kind of own what he said as if I don't have a mind of my own. I mean, isn't, aren't we in a post-feminist era where women can think for themselves? I, you know, one, I thought we were, I thought we were, I also didn't think speech could get you banned from places, but apparently your husband was banned from Twitter. And when we come back from this quick break, I'd love to know why. So more with Jen say in just a second. Well, recently, Fed Chair Jerome Powell said there's going to be pain in order to bring down inflation. It's kind of a bummer. I don't think inflation needed to be this high to begin with. And now in order to get it down, there's going to be, quote, pain. I'd like to help you protect yourself from some of that pain. And that's with an investment in gold. And the only company I trust when investing in gold and silver is Legacy Precious Metals. Now, remember 2008, those who invested in gold back then saw huge gains. Others saw their retirements just go kind of poof. Gold is a protection against inflation and a hedge against inflation. It helps protect a weakening dollar. And that's basically what we're seeing with inflation. You want to check out your options when it comes to investing in gold and silver. I mean, silver is a hot commodity right now as well. Why not add this to your portfolio? It doesn't have to be a huge investment. It could be something small. But start with legacy precious metals. You can call them and just ask your questions. You can speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals. Get your pens and your paper ready. Here's the number. 866-528-1903. 866-528-1903. You can also download their free investor's guide. You just go to LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. You want to make sure you're doing the best for your portfolio that you possibly can during times like this when the stock market's all over the place and there's so much uncertainty. Start with my friends at Legacy Precious Metals, LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. All right. So you mentioned briefly that your husband, Daniel, was banned from Twitter. Um, I, I just want to shake my head because I, I, these Twitter bans are generally absurd. What what was the breaking point? What was the straw that broke Twitter's back? I believe he had been suspended several times. And I think they have like a three or five strikes rule. I don't know. They're not super clear about what the rules are. Really? I, that, <laughs> I know. They're not super clear because they, you know then they can use their own quote unquote judgment. I believe the offending 
post that got him finally banned. I'll admit I could be mistaken, but he 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 listed the the known side effects of the vaccine. Um, you know, he said vaccines are known to cause blood clots, myocarditis, um, and strokes. Now, it was the commentary that came after that that I believe okay. was the kind of inciting factor. And he said, that's not what I call safe, which I would agree with. I, I don't yeah. know that you could call something safe that causes those things. Right. Um, well, that that was that was the thing that got him, you know, booted for for good. Um, yeah. Others have been reinstated since for saying such things. Uh, Alex Berenson, which some of your, you know, who some of your listeners may be yeah. um, aware of has been, has been reinstated, but, but Daniel has not. So, well, um, you know, I sort of go back and forth on whether or not I, it's, it's almost a point of pride in a way to, <laughs> to be banned because then, you know, you were saying something important at the same time. I, more speech, always more speech, more speech, more speech, and let people figure it out. Uh, I, I Banning speech to me is the most anti-American thing that can possibly be going on. So I, I hope that Daniel's back on soon. I know that after your quote-unquote apology tour and taking the questions, it, it seems really disgusting what happened to you and that you were approached and said, you know, we are looking at you as a potential CEO and therefore you've got to go through this intense background uh, search or whatever they want to call it. So what, what happened there? Yeah. So at this point, when I did my apology tour, I had been promoted. I was the brand president at this point. So I'd been promoted from chief marketing officer. So despite all of the pushback and all of the hysteria about things I was saying, it was, determined that I was good enough at my job and, you know, delivering growth for the the company that I, I should be promoted. Um, but then in the fall of 21, I had dinner with, um, with my boss, the CEO, and he said, you know, you are in fact a candidate, if not the candidate, um, but we need to do this background check and we need you to agree to it. I, I now, in the moment, you know, I just felt I didn't have a choice. Uh, you know, I, I went along and I think it is probably pretty standard operating procedure to do that kind of thing for a CEO. I really, I don't question that. I don't know if it's standard to do it for one spouse, um, which I also um, had to do, but I, I could imagine it might be, you know, they want to at least know if there's going to be any sort of PR blowback. Um, but I now think it was I hesitate to say it, but I think it was a little bit of a, a trap because I think, you know, they already knew what I had been saying. They already knew it was problematic. And I said to my boss in the moment, here's what you will find. Yes, you have approval, but this is what you'll find. I have no financial entanglements that are compromising. I've never been arrested. Um, but you're going to find that the social media is a gray area and one that you're not willing to tolerate. Um, I, I don't think it'll be a black and white yes or no thing, but I think it'll be a determination that you and the board will say, yeah, this is just too much. And that, that is what happened. Although I've never seen it. Um, and I was, you've never seen the actual background check and, and the product of it. No, I didn't. You know, when I was told that the decision had been made that based on the background check, I would, you know, not only not be a candidate for CEO, but I would need to leave the company. I <sighs> frankly, though I was composed in the moment, I was, flustered as one might be. And I never, I didn't ask. Um, 
I, I didn't ask. And I, I don't know that they would have shown it to me because I think it would have been so gray. It mm. wouldn't have been such a clear decision point. And, I, and then I could have challenged, although I, I don't believe I, I would have. I, I don't want to stay in a place that doesn't want me. Yeah. Yeah. Would it, would there have been any motivation to challenge if there was a financial uh, sort of reward at the end of that challenge? Here was my thing, Michelle, um, because there, there wasn't a, a reward put on the table, you know, a severance package, essentially. Um, they were going to treat it as a, a separation, an executive separation, not a layoff because my job was going to still exist and has not yet been filled. Um, but a separation is essentially, you know, you receive a layoff package. I didn't want it. I didn't want to be forced to sign a non-disclosure agreement. So um, that was part of the package. You would have had to sign an NDA. You always, you always have to. I okay. mean, and, and that's about the terms of the separation. So, you know, the, the NDA would not have included, you know, she can't talk about school. Of course, I could talk about school closures. What I would not have been able to speak about was why I was pushed out. Got and it. for me, that was too important because this I, this censorship and silencing of debate and dissent is at the core of why I was pushed out of the company. And that to me felt too urgent um, and important not to be able to discuss. So I chose not to accept the severance and quit. You know, people are like, oh, you didn't quit. You were fired. It was kind of both. I mean, I was fired and I quit. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? You really did quit because uh, to turn down a severance package means you turned down a severance package and you said there are things more important than the money. And, and to me, that's you saying, I leave you because I'm going on my own terms, not on yours. So I, I, you know, whatever, they can say you were fired. You weren't fired for any justifiable cause, except that you have a voice. <laughs> yeah. And the irony now, as I'm sure you, you know, is that it's kind of just the narrative has completely shifted. And now it's, it's amazing. just accepted that the school closures were catastrophic. And, you know, Governor Hochul in New York said just on Friday, wow, what a mistake that was. Yeah. And she throws this, she, you know, throws this line out so casually as if she had nothing to do with it. I, I mean, she was the Lieutenant Governor of New York at the time. She didn't challenge it. She didn't push back on Governor Cuomo. No, it, I think I she, I think it, she actually endorsed it. I think there is, she did. Yeah. I just found a tweet of hers um, yesterday from May 1st, 2020, cheering on the ongoing school closures, you know, led by then Governor Cuomo. I'll tell you what I was doing in May. My family and I were out at protests arguing that schools should be open. So it can't be said that it wasn't known. You know, Denmark opened schools in May after a brief closure because they looked at the data and they said, we need to prioritize children. They're not at serious risk. They don't really spread it. And the harms are too great. Even from just the first six weeks of school closures, that's what they found. Mm -hmm. So it can't be said that it was unknowable. It was completely knowable. And what frustrates me at this point is we just seem to have skipped a step. You know, we've gone from if you say schools should be opened, you are a white supremacist grandma killer and you don't deserve a, to have a job. We skipped all the way to, okay, yeah, that was really bad. <laughs> where's the where's the ownership and accountability? It, it is catastrophic. And uh -huh. by the way, kids continue to be the most restricted. You know, adults can move about their lives freely. Um, 
vax mandates have been removed um, by state governors like Governor Murphy in New Jersey. And yet at schools like Stanford and, and Rutgers and on and on and on, they have not only vax mandates, but booster mandates and mask mandates in educational settings. And yet so children and young adults are absolutely the most restricted kids in New York public schools. If they're not vaccinated, can't play sports. It's it's insane to me. It remains insane to me that this is going on when there are so many, like you said, the data is out there about kids being kept out of the classroom. The data is out there about masks. The data is out there about vaccines. It does not stop you from getting or spreading the virus. So why would you mandate it? Are you going to tell me that people like Joe Biden and and Whitmer and Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan, all the posts that say, thank goodness I was double vaxxed and double boosted because, oh my gosh, my COVID case could have been so much worse. How can you prove that? And by the way, you were double vaxxed and double boosted and you still got COVID and some of you got it twice. So what in the hell are we doing? It's, I, I don't understand it. And for children to continue to be the locus of our anxiety and our obsession, you know, children have the most to lose with these ongoing restrictions. And yet they are literally the only ones um, still forced to live with them. It's, it's madness. But I will say this pushback matters. And I think parents need to stand up and be less afraid at this point. I get being afraid because we were vilified and some of us lost our jobs and you're called all sorts of terrible names. But when there's pushback, it does work. You know, there was a preschool in Mountain View, California, not so far from where I used to live, that just two weeks ago, um, a video went live of a child, a four-year-old child. Uh, the preschool teacher called the police to have the child removed because he showed up at school without a mask. Well, Mountain View, and this is in a state without a mask mandate. So, and the next day they removed it. Now they said it was for other reasons, but let's be honest, you know, the timing was clear. But that video went viral and parents went wild as they should. (laughs) And then it was gone. And, you know, the other uh, instance I would cite is, as you probably know, in Washington, D.C., Mayor Bowser had announced that she was going to hold children to the VAX mandate in elementary schools, 12 and up. Well, the press made it clear that that would bar 50 percent of black children from schools. And there was not going to be a virtual option. Now right. she's put that on pause since this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about to start, I believe, this week. And that's been put on pause. LA's is on indefinite pause right now. Yeah. So your voices do matter. Mm-hmm. And I think we all need to just be less afraid because I think that we're, if we're not the majority, we're at least not a tiny minority. No. I mean, we're a sizable group. Yeah. And and uh, that's why I appreciate your voice so much and what you've done. And I know it has come at great cost to you, both in terms of your job and a lot of your friends. And one of your columns, I welcome their hatred, sounds good, but it doesn't work for everyone. You lament the fact that you've lost so much. I want to know again, and I asked you this a few months ago when you were first on, but how you're doing how your husband's doing, how you're, you know, you mentioned your daughter who's now five, what she's facing and, and in general, how you've sort of come to some sort of peace with all of this. 
Well, I'm grateful. You know, we moved in the uh, in February of 21. We moved to Denver from California, and my two youngest children, who are five and seven, um, are living normally now. My five year old just started kindergarten. There's no restrictions. It's completely normal. Um, there's back to school night this week. Parents are allowed in the building without masks. They're not checking, you know, back status. And you know, I I will give. Um, Governor Paulus, some credit. I do think he's been the best of the Democratic governors. I think he could do more, but I think he's been the best of the Democratic governors. And I think Colorado does have this real sort of live and let live libertarian streak, which I've come to really, really appreciate. Um, But it's hard. You know, I think it's been hardest for me in the family moving here. I lived in San Francisco for 32 years. Um, I had most of my friends, you know, I had my colleagues who I considered friends, um, none of whom I talked to anymore. Um, I had a job that I loved up until February 2020. So I'm, you know, finding my bearings. I'm very busy. I'm writing a book, which will come out probably early November, and I'm making a documentary film on the impact to kids. But the I mean, you 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 probably experienced this too. This sort of work environment with colleagues and that camaraderie. Mm-hmm. I really, you know, missed that. I loved that. I I miss it. Um, but I also I spend my day writing stuff, which is kind of cool, but sort of also lonely, you know. So I try. I make great effort to get out and you know meet new people and and get exercise every day. So it's good. I mean, I love Colorado. My husband is fierce and. <laughs> you know, I, the line, I welcome their hatred. That's what he would say to me the whole time because I would be so upset with the um, comments I was getting at work and the horrible ad hominem attacks. And he would say, why do you care? Yeah. You know, they're wrong. Say, he would say, you should welcome their hatred. And I would say, <laughs> I can't do that. I'm not you. Yeah. Um, but he is um, more than anyone I've ever met, does not care what people think of him other than me. I'm the one person that he cares, which is sort of lovely and sweet. Um, So I'm, you know, I'm working on that. And I have scores of new friends, which is nice. And I am in touch with some of my old friends. You know, it's an adjustment. I'm in an adjustment period. Has anyone (laughs) reached out to you to say, I'm really sorry about the thing that I said or the thing that I told you on Facebook? And has anyone done any of that? Oh, no, none of that. None. Definitely none of that. No, none of that. None of that. Some of my, you know, older friends from college have said, you know, I don't agree with you, but I still love you. Well, you know, hang how out. Nice. <laughs> I, I know. Um, it, yeah. So what it's it, I, look. A, a, a well-paid executive getting fired from a company is not the worst thing to happen during the pandemic. But I, I think it's important to note that if someone like me with a lot of influence who was really good at her job and was considered to be, you know, an ascended CEO can be shunted to the side, um, then anyone can. And I don't accept this idea that just because you have a job, whatever your level is, that you give up your rights to say what you think. And I don't think any of us should accept that. And it's all the more egregious now that we see that I was right all along. I mean, that makes it worse. But, you know, I would argue that if I wasn't right, I still had a right to say it. No question. No question. And that was one of the things about this whole COVID pandemic that was so curious to me is why people couldn't 
ask questions or challenge the narrative or say, are we sure this medication doesn't work? Are we sure that that one does? Are, are we sure that these masks work? I remember someone saying to me at work once, because we had to wear masks everywhere in the NFL. We couldn't, you know, there, or there were so right. many <clears throat> restrictions that 2020 season, it, you know, someone said to me, so what do you say, Michelle, you don't think masks work? And I said, I haven't seen evidence that they do. So how would you, you like me even. to say, yeah, I, how, how do you want me to say, yeah, I think they work when I have seen no evidence that they do. And even now it's, well, the N95s. Okay, but so I have to send my two-year-old to preschool with a cloth mask that doesn't work? What is the point of this? And I'm, I'm really, well, yeah. go ahead. Just the idea that asking a question, yes. I'd like to see the evidence. I'd like, like to see the randomized, you know, controlled trial. Right. That made you the devil. You couldn't yeah. even ask. It was an article of faith and you had to believe. It was, I've often said it's sort of religious in nature. And that's yes. the opposite of science. You know, science requires proof. Yeah. Um, but this is, an, it was, it was an article of faith. And if you didn't believe, quote unquote, the science that came from Dr. Fauci, you were a heretic yeah. um, and you deserve to be banished. I mean, I'm using dramatic language, but it's true. It's true. The, the dramatic language fits because this is exactly what happened. You're one very good example of what happened. And for Dr. Fauci to say now in retrospect that he didn't do certain things that he clearly did is, is almost, I, I almost feel like we're all being gaslighted. You know what I mean? I feel like this big trick is being played and, I, and I'm thinking everyone's seeing this, right? Cause I'm seeing it. And I know what Dr. Fauci is saying today that two years ago he wasn't saying or that he's saying he didn't do what two years ago he did very well do. And people put this guy on this incredible pedestal, one man, one man. And there were so many people who had questions or alternative facts, if you will, or just, you know, and he's to, for him to say the science evolved. No, no, no. The knowledge around that science evolved. Science is sort of a, the constant and you figure it out by asking questions and by, you know, running, by asking questions, by being curious. And, and one of the things that I think is really interesting now, Jen, is we're seeing more and more people come to the fore who believe they've been injured by these vaccines, not just the yeah. vaccines didn't work, but that they've actually been injured by them. And it doesn't seem to me that there's enough curiosity about that. What are you seeing there? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I got vaccinated in, I don't know, May of 21. I have not gotten the booster because, you know, the science evolved and it didn't seem that it was doing all that much good. And I felt like I'm good. I'm done. Yeah. Um, but I've met a lot of people because I've been sort of put in this category of anti-vaxxer. Because if you challenge mandates, you're considered an anti-vaxxer. And yeah. most of the people that I have met that would actually own that title have experienced a vaccine injury or their children have one of their children has. And so it's, I mean, it's real. It happens, you know, there's a budget with the government to pay out for vaccine injuries. I'm talking pre COVID. So we know they're real and yet it can't be spoken of because that would create questioning from other people. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah. I, and, and this idea that you, you know, an anti-vaxxer is like the worst thing you can be called today. It's even worse than racist. It's like the worst name they can come up with. And 
the irony is, you know, I get called it. Um, my children have been vaccinated for everything except this. I, like, yeah. I just don't know how that can put you in that category. But my husband and I have gotten to the point where we just say we're going to own it. Fine. Yeah. Fine. Yes. I'm an anti-vaxxer. Yeah, fine. You know, Own it. I mean, you, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Kyrie Irving, uh, Djokovic, who's not playing in the U.S. Open, uh, Novak Djokovic, because because of some ridiculous rule that he can't come here and play in the U.S. Open. Outdoors. Well, and by the way, any parents of children under five, it, it, the, the vaccine has stalled under yes. five, with five, under five year olds at like I think it's like five percent, maybe less nationally. It's higher in some places, like. San Francisco, but it's stalled. So I consider myself in good company. That's you yes. know, 95% of parents of very young children are saying, no, thank you. I can't um, even imagine taking a six month old to get this vaccine. I just can't. I, I you know, the, the fact it's that it's available for six month olds, it's like this, we're celebrating this. To me, it's terrifying. Yeah, it's, it's unnecessary. It's not well vetted. Um, they, don't get it. They don't get to, or, you know, most of them have had it at this point. I think the estimates are like 90% of children have already had it. So have a degree of immunity, which the CDC now acknowledges, which was also considered misinformation for yes. close yes. to two years. Yes. Um, you know, I, I would, I would say what it, it's that leap from, it, it, this is what makes me crazy. You know, like all these people, whether it's governor Hochul or, or Fauci, like we, we know what you said. We see it. It was yeah, on video. It's it's on tape. Video. And yet they, they, to your point, they think they can just gaslight us and pretend they weren't part of it. And I experienced this. I think we talked about this a little bit last time, you know, in, in gymnastics, when I spoke out about abuse in gymnastics, I, I received a ton of pushback and all kinds of like horrible attacks when I first spoke out about the abuse. 10 years later, the people that attacked me pretended I don't know if they were pretending they didn't remember or they didn't remember, but it people sort of position themselves as heroes in every story. I, I, and so they, you know, claim to have supported me the whole time. I guess we could make a joke about me seeing myself as the hero in this story, although I don't. I mean, <laughs> I don't. Um, I see myself as someone who had a, you know, a big mouth for a good reason and, and lost her job because of it. Um, and I'm not alone. There's a lot of others like me. Well, what I see there is courage and bravery. And uh, I had a guest on recently named Zuby, and I don't know if you follow him on Twitter, Zuby Music. He's <laughs> awesome. And he said there is a pandemic of cowardice, not only in this country, but really across the world, for people to go against authority, to question authority, when that is what we always should do. And so when you're feeling, Jen, uh, sitting in front of your whatever you do to write, your computer, your laptop, whatever, <laughs> When you're feeling alone and you're feeling lonely, I just want you, it's like, I want to throw this, you know, through the ethernet embrace around oh. you for, for you to know that there are so many people. And I'm just one that really admires what you're saying, what you're doing, the courage it required for both you and your husband to go through it, to uproot yourselves and, and start this new life. And you're doing it on behalf of some people who don't have a voice, kids, in this thing. And and so whether you think of yourself as a hero or not, what, whatever people want to call you, it took courage. It took bravery. And I'm sitting over here in my Minnesota house going, thank 
I'm so glad I know Jen and I'm, I'm joining Jen in this effort and I'm going to subscribe to her Substack, and I can't wait to read her book because we need voices like yours. And so when you are sitting there thinking you're alone, just please know that you're not. That's very kind. And I get um, notes every day that I hope definitely so. reinforce that, that message. And it does really help me. I mean, I, I'm very grateful for the people that bother to sit down and write such a lovely note. I think, I think Zuby is right, but I don't think it's new. I think it's the human condition in a oh. sense. Um, you know, you go back and you look at the results of the Milgram experiment, however many years ago, where, you know, people were told in this research experiment to shock someone. They couldn't see the person. They, they thought it was really happening. They heard screams of pain and they kept going because an authority figure told them that they had to and it was for the right reasons. So people were willing to harm another, um, you know, in a, in a sense because of obedience to authority. And I, I think I think it's the human condition in a sense. But I, I also will say this, that, you know, Courage begets courage. So people will join you. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's not fun to be first or even kind of in the first 10%. But when the group grows, um, you know, you're in good company. And I don't, I, I, you know, I don't blame people necessarily for not wanting to be first. It, 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 it wasn't fun. You know, yeah. it, it was kind yeah. of crappy. Um, but I feel the group is growing. And I think parents are feeling more empowered and they're starting to speak up like the dad of the four-year-old. Um, and I just would encourage people, you know, to, to join us because it's not right that our kids are still the only ones living with these onerous restrictions. Completely, 100% correct. Always great to talk to you. And when the book comes out and the documentary and whatever else, you are welcome on this platform anytime. Um, appreciate you so much, okay. Jennifer. And again, say anything is the, say everything, anything and everything. Say everything is the name of the Substack okay. column. I highly encourage you to check it out because it's, it's just good stuff. And it will, I think, embolden people to, to join that what I like to call the coalition of courage and in and, and speaking out on behalf of people who can't. Jen, thanks so much. Thank you for having me again. You are welcome. Appreciate this it. has been Sideline Sanity. I'm Michelle Tafoya. Be brave, do good, and check out Say Everything on Substack. Well, we always appreciate it when Charles Thorngren can join the Join the podcast and talk a little money and gold in particular with us, gold and silver. And Charles, it's, these are mad times. I mean, it's just really wacky. And anyone who's watching the stock market is probably asking themselves, what do I do? I don't, I don't know. You know, I'm not, I don't know how to ride this roller coaster with everyone. And so obviously you recommend investing in precious metals. What's the first step that someone should take in learning about what precious metals can do for them? You know, the, the first step, um, give us a call, right? We're, we're going to show you what options there are available. Um, that's what Legacy is about, is showing you options and, and educating everyone. The important thing to know is that we don't invest in gold and silver because it's pretty or because it's, it's unique. Those things are true, but we do it because it has the history of being the true diversity for someone's portfolio. It's the insurance policy against everyone's retirement, 
and their uh, their savings. So, so this is why we look at at gold and silver specifically. It's the currency that was always meant to be, right? It's not a fiat currency. There's no um, inflationary effect on it. Gold and silver are going to be worth what they're worth. The thing that changes with everything is the amount of dollars it takes to buy that gold and silver and the amount of dollars you get for owning that gold and silver. That's the big key. And this is what people don't understand about it typically is that it is not the stock market and it is not the dollar. It's an investment that is counter to both of those. So it gives you true diversity and balance is what everyone's looking for right now. They just don't know it. As inflation yeah. gets higher, this is where gold and silver come in. Someone is saying, okay, I, I want to do this, but I want to choose one or the other. When right. they call you and ask you these questions, when would you recommend gold and when would you recommend silver? You know, that's a great question. And what a lot of people wind up doing is actually doing a little of both because that's possible, right? But it's going to depend on your specific investment parameters. And that's one of the things we're going to do that we're, we're different from your typical stockbroker because we're not going to say, this is what all my customers are doing. Because that's not what's important. What's important is what matters to you and your portfolio. When is your retirement coming up? What are you looking to accomplish, right? What are your risks? What are, what are, your, what are your safety features that you need? So there's a lot that goes into it. And what we do here is, is talk with you, right? Our, our big thing is to educate you so that you understand why you're doing it as well as in what form and fashion. Because that's important. It is important. And I think, too, that people probably think uh, I'm a small investor. This is not for me. I can't I can't afford to do this. I can't afford to do this at a level that will benefit me to them. You would say what? Um, I don't think you can afford not to. If you have money saved and you're not flush with cash, it's more important than ever for you to make sure that you put yourself in a protective situation. Right. You have less to lose. So you should not lose it. It's, it's really, you know, it's, it's not about how much money you have or don't have. It's about how much protection you need. And if you don't have a, a very large portfolio, then you probably need it more than the guy who does because you can't afford that loss. And look at what the market's done over the course of the year. We are talking about a situation where the loss is extravagant and it's not done yet. This is why we look at uh, precious metals to counter that. And lastly, Charles, for those who fear that a recession may already be here or is coming, what do you tell them about how in a recession this investment helps out? Great question. A um, couple answers there. We are in a recession, um, but the reality is it's not going to get bad for a few more months. Then it's really going to be bad. What we see happen next year is going to be devastating. Just think 2007, 2008, right? The troubles with 2008 happened in 2007. It just took time for it to hit the market in a real sense. And this is what we see. You know, we have inflationary numbers that rival the 80s. Um, that's something that's going to be dramatic. So, when we look at this, we say, why do we want to do it? And that's exactly why it helps because it's not the dollar and it's not the stock market, right? This is the safe haven investment. And if you look at long-term wisdom, that's what metals do. 
They give you a place to store your wealth without the effects of inflation, right? Inflation is good for your metals. The stock market correcting is good for your metals. Uh, a weak economy is better for your metals. So that's what it's meant to do. And that's why it has its place in the economy. We're talking about a worst case scenario right now, but even under the best of terms, the government tells you two to 3% inflation is a good thing. And at two or 3%, it doesn't sound bad, right? But over the course of your retirement and your lifetime investing, if you go 40 years, you've lost over 120% of value of your dollar by not having metals. So even in the best of times, there should be some in your portfolio. And during the worst, you really want to make sure you get a hold of somebody who can explain why and show you what options you have. Yeah, that's why we love to recommend Legacy Precious Metals on our show, Sideline Sanity. So the website is LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. You can also go to the website and find the phone number to call, learn a whole lot more. It's just worth asking some questions, right? A quick phone call and getting more information about everyone's specific situation. Absolutely. We're a no-pressure organization. Everyone who contacts us, they reach out to us. We share information. If it's right for you, great. If it's not, that's great too. Learning something never hurt anybody. No, that is true. And we're <laughs> glad we had you on to learn something from you today, Charles Thorngren. Again, it's LegacyPMInvestments.com. Please go check them out. Just ask some questions. Learn a little something. Thank you so much, Charles. My pleasure. Thank you.